She's been pushing women in triathlon for a decade and she's done an amazing job. Let's have a conversation with Steph Hansen. Steph Hansen, triathlon, is it stuffed? <laughs> it's all over. It's done. <laughs> uh, what else can I do? I, I, have, I have such a unique set of skill set. Like if triathlon stuffs, I, I'm screwed. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think I can transfer any of my skills to anything else. Well, I should have officially welcomed you uh, oh, yep. to uh, to the podcast. Thanks to our good mates, uh, Triathlon Magazine in uh, in Canada, the beautiful Canadian. They are just a beautiful, beautiful race of people. I mean, Ryan Reynolds, you know, carrying the flag. Hey, if you, <laughs> what celebrity you reckon right now? I was going to post this on Twitter, but 124 people weren't really interested. Um, <laughs> if you could, like, what celebrity you reckon now could do an item? You know, they used to get the celebs out of Kona. Oh. What celebrity now do you reckon would go around Kona and go, all right, I'm going to start and say, I reckon Hemsworth, the good one. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Four, I reckon he could do one. Yeah, he Well, okay, are we talking about Kona in October or February? Oh, see, sharp, <laughs> sharp. This is why you're on. Um, I reckon, I don't care. I just reckon, now he doesn't like wearing shoes. Which is a concern Ooh, for me. Yeah, running forty-two without shoes. Remember that year that Jurgen Zach wore those stupid Mayflies, <laughs> the Nike Mayflies that weighed like a hundred grams. I don't think he walked for six months afterwards. Um, <laughs> who do you reckon? Who you got? Well, okay. So the first person who actually jumped into my head was Zach Efron because I think <laughs> he's actually done a triathlon, and I think that's the only reason it popped into my head. Yeah. But now I want to. And I'm only going to say this because this is now the first uh, female celebrity who popped into my head, and I am a mad fan of hers. And she is quite fit. Is Chelsea Handler? Who do you know her? Oh, help me out. She's a comedian. Um, yeah. She she used to work in like entertainment, um, like host a E News type of show. Yeah. Um, but she, you would like her. She is funny as but a little bit wrong, very wrong. Um, Wrong's okay. Yeah, she does these doco series um, on Netflix where she, um, what's that drug that you take, ayahuasca? Um, she filmed herself and her mates going to this yurt or something, taking ayahuasca <laughs> and seeing what happens. Like she, she's, I love her, rate her. In, wow. Extremely intelligent, funny as. Yeah, right. Yeah. Do you remember when they, when I Man got really on board with that and they, with ayahuasca or celebrities? <laughs> either, either. Um, the celebrities, you know, well, maybe Mark Allen back in the day, he was hanging out with the the Native American Indians and and getting on board some gear. I don't, maybe that was his thing. Um, but the the Iron Man guys were all about celebs. Remember they had Heinz Ward, the MVP, out of the Super Bowl, and they had Gordon Ramsay. Gordon Ramsay was the big one. Do you remember the yeah. shit that got stirred up because he started racing? Yep. Yeah, but and do do you remember though? Because I think oh, it's this big shot. He's going to be a, a douchebag. He was. I actually <laughs> found him quite like at the press conference. I think it was. Um, mm. He was quite humble and was like, "I shouldn't be here. These professionals are the you know mm-hmm. the legends here. I shouldn't be up on this panel." And I like I rated that. I respected that. Yeah, I remember his opening line at the press conference. Um, where he walked in, he said, I got off the plane, I saw all the black lava and I'm shitting myself. (laughs) 
and everyone's just like, oh, you're awesome. Can we buy you lunch? Like everyone was loving him. Like and he was loving himself sick a little too, but he was very uh, humble. Yeah. I think too, he um, he actually raced decent too. Like he was 11 hours or something, like good time. Really? I yeah, he did okay. That. 11, 12 hours. I'll be proven right or wrong. Someone in the Twitter world will tell me. Um, but he, what do they get from that? I mean, I suppose they get exposure to the race. Remember when old mate was going to do it too, the Texan. Um and everyone got really excited about Lance Armstrong racing and ESPN was going to take it live. Yeah, how'd that pan out? <laughs> I think that whole – I didn't see the doc that ESPN did. I I, I kind of tapped out on him. Yeah, same. I, I got, yeah, I just thought, uh, what, what's he going to tell me that he, I don't already know or care about? Yeah. I, like, I with him – you know, you know, everyone uses the excuse that everyone was doing it at the time and, mm-hmm. okay, whatever, I, I don't agree with it, but whatever, but it's just the way he took so many people down who did not deserve to be taken down in his tyranny. Um, how's that? Taken down in his tyranny. That's like an like intro it. to his new it documentary. <laughs> <laughs> you could start. Taken down in his tyranny. Welcome, Lance Armstrong. <laughs> He'd love yeah, it. He's, I just, yeah, and I, I couldn't. I'd heard, you know, when, when he was about to do um, – France, the first time in, mm. I was still working on um, first off the bike, and he slid into my DMs and stop it. Yeah, he did. He um, he messaged me a number of times um, during the course of that. Um, it was a really interesting conversation that we had with him. It wow. Was, um, yeah, I, I haven't. Don't tell too many people. Uh, <laughs> One hundred and twenty-four people on Twitter know, but um, <laughs> yeah, he's look for all intents and purposes, he was very focused can i say that like a laser um, <laughs> i don't know anyway um so his triathlon screwed like a lot of races it, the hardest thing and i said this i might have said this to to josh amberger amberger <laughs> that right um i might have said to josh you know it was hard watching the challenge guys put out roth challenge roth roth. Done. yeah yeah you know it was that all that stuff was hard watching felix yeah because he's such a ripping bloke mm. Hard to watch that. Really hard. Um, but what I think they nailed was the complete transparency. Um, I mean, like you say, anyone who's met Felix knows how much of a lovely guy he is. Like the, the whole Roth vibe, sorry, Root vibe um, and the family and Felix in particular, he's the face of that event. Um I don't know. Yeah, it was hard to watch because you felt it. Um, it was emotional, mm. and mm. yeah, unfortunately, that doesn't doesn't always come across on other platforms. No, and I think, I mean, Iron Man. Obviously, it, it's it's been too easy in the last fifteen years to beat up Iron Man. It is. It's too easy. Yeah, they are just too easy. It's too e- obvious a target. Fun as hell sometimes, <laughs> but often, you know. I guess most people try and do the right thing, but even then watching I mean cancel, 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 and then shift, where are you seeing it? I mean, you're probably, I mean, again, we're only guessing, aren't we? But what are mm. your, what are your thoughts in seeing it? Cause you're in the epicenter of this still actively pursuing the um, obviously wits up and, you know, talking to athletes every other minute. How, how are you reading all this? Um, it's, it's interesting because um, I think you nailed it when you said it's, it's easy to beat up on Iron Man for the things that they do wrong over the years and, you know, it's a money-making machine type of thing. Um, and that's, you know, that's all well and good. But it's at a point now where they're, they're having to make 
some decisions that are so out of their control um, and they, they love being in control, and but they just have zero control over this um, across the globe, not just in, you know, not just in the States. Um, mm. And it's, it's, I don't know, it's things like um, they need people to sign up to races, right? So, you know, they're announcing races here in Australia in September. And I get it because they need people to sign up. But mm. so I, I completely understand that from an event um, organizer point of view. But then I see the flip side of it, and I'm like, me personally, if I wanted to race an Ironman, I don't have an extra eight hundred bucks in my pocket at the moment because of what's happening. Mm. You know, I, I just don't have that money coming in through the door. So I can see it from so many different angles, and I don't know. In terms of the, I just think everyone's just trying to survive at the moment, and. I can't predict the future. I, I don't think we'll see. I personally don't think we'll see Kona in February um, for many different reasons. Um, it's not just because people don't want to race in February. It's because borders, um, being able to afford accommodation, um, paying for flights now as opposed to paying for flights in January and waiting to see what happens. Like what's that price difference going to look like? Um, mm. You know, if – and each to their own, do whatever you need to do. But if if I if I'd qualified for Kona, I wouldn't be choosing to race in fe- February. I would be choosing to race next October as the safest option for me. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah, yeah. It's hard, isn't it? Because like I've also heard and and been reading, obviously, like everybody else, because there's nothing else to do. Mm-hmm. Um, is the there might not be international travel yeah. until there's a vaccine. I mean, we're hearing things like that, which essentially scuttles. Yeah the industry. Yeah, totally. And then, I mean, so we had a meeting with Andrew Mezik um, a couple of weeks ago where, where he essentially said, we'll make the announcement about Kona and 70.3 worlds um, by the end of the May. They've since made that announcement. Um, but he went through like the long list of how Ironman racing and I guess any of their sort of multi-sport events and um, mountain biking, running, all of the events that they have, um, because it's certainly not just triathlon anymore, but no. but how they will pivot in terms of putting on an event. So when we say, okay, let's say Ironman Australia will be on in September, it's not going to be the Ironman Australia that we know. It's not going to be the, what, 1,500 athletes racing because there's going to have to be that much social distancing. They're talking about limiting contact points from the day that people arrive into that small town of Port Macquarie um mm. to the day that they leave and like normally what you'd see Ironman athletes maybe spending five days in it in yeah. the yeah. host town um you know is that going to change as well like it just the volunteers you're not going to see as many volunteers as you used to and my big question is what's what's the minimum amount of race entries you can have to put on an event because we know that so much of the money is comes from age groupers, right? Yep. What's their break-even point? Is it, I don't know, for example, is it 200 athletes? Do they 100% need 200 athletes to be able to break even putting an event on? I, I, I don't know. Like there's just so many factors. Um, and then sponsor, sponsorship, what does that look like? Um, mm. You know, naming because rights you've sponsors. you've got reduced numbers. Who's going to invest as much? Exactly. So diminished. Mm. My understanding and again, it's it's probably way off, but my understanding was it was 800 people to break even. Is that right? So that's a that's, lot. 
Yeah, isn't it? And what town, what town anywhere in the world wants a bunch of people just bombing on their doorstep, mm. regardless of where this is? Because there's, I agree. I think the 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 lag from this and that, you know, that sort of people are always going to be. You know, well, guy will pass me today with a handkerchief, and I glared at him. <laughs> gave him a good glaring. Yep. You know, Grandpa Simpson style. <laughs> And just and do, you know, but but who wants them to land on your doorstep Yeah, and go, hey, you know, here's, you know, because in a place like Bustleton too, I guess we're only being Australian-centric at the moment, but those races prided themselves on the amount of uh, international guests. Yeah, exactly. So then, and I don't, I mean, what here in Victoria, they've, they're starting to lift restrictions in terms of uh, travel within our own state. So mm. do we look at it as in, okay, we're, we need to change up the kind of racing that we're doing and um, I, I, I don't know, like do road closures all of a sudden become cheaper because we we need that tourism dollar to go to those small towns? I, I don't know, yeah. like that's so above my pay grade, I've got no idea. But <laughs> but you make a good – you make a really good point. Is it everyone's going to have to, you know, lose in. some to gain something? Yeah, that's uh, – yeah, that's what I kind of can't help but think. Yeah. Like those, no, I think you're right. I mean, it, it's – the question was kind of lighthearted, are we screwed? But certainly, <laughs> sorry. I mean, the the model's changing every minute. This whole, I mean, the whole world's changing every minute. You know, you look what's happening in Brazil, et cetera, and it's, you know, it's frightening how this is getting around. And mm. I worry about America in terms of, A, who's running the show <laughs> and how he's running it and the sort of the, the, the mentality that they seem to have adopted where it's that liberate the state yeah. that they live in versus – you know, and I might be talking about a minority here, but what you see on social media and what, you know, good reporters out of reputable um, media outlets are reporting, mm. it's how does that get back to normal? <laughs> That's when I thank God that we live in Australia because it is, I mean, we're mm. so much more removed um, and I feel like we, and I can throw New Zealand into that as well, that we kind of got ahead of this uh, to an extent. Um, but it's a national attitude, like where mm. we got locked down and everyone said, you know what, I'm okay with that. Mm. I don't love it, but I'm okay with it because I see the sense. Whereas mm. in Americans, they go, well, you're taking away my liberty. And it's like, well, we're trying to keep you alive. Yeah. <laughs> you kind know. of have liberty when you're six feet under. Yeah, exactly. You can have it all you like. It's just, it, yeah, that that mentality. I, I, that's what baffles me, and that's what I think in terms of sport. Because I look mm. at the NFL and the NBA, which is closed. Um, they're closing leagues all around the world and just not opening them. Um, mm. By opening the sporting arena, it normalizes people's reaction to what's happening. You are so right. Yeah, I, I hadn't even thought about it like that, and it's so true. That, what does that? Uh, you know, does that get a ball rolling in the wrong direction when you start doing things like that? Yeah, well, people say, remember the AFL, which is the local competition here, they kept going when everything was shutting down. The NBA had already shut down early in March and the AFL played one game and people were still hanging about like it was, you know, an end your video. They're wandering around slowly looking at the sky, loving life, and it's, but it's not. Uh, and then they had to say, hey, AFL's dead, and everyone's going, well, hang on this shit might actually be real. Yeah. Can I just say I love all of your references because I understand them and normally when I do random like Seinfeld references, no one understands mm. what I'm talking about. <laughs> I, I work in an office of a bunch of 25-year-olds oh, for the day job. 
and they shit me because they don't know anything. <laughs> I did mention, you know, what happens if there was less than 99 Luft balloons? How would that sound? No one gave a shit. Crickets. No oh, yeah. God. I'm like, you suck. Go yeah. back to your fortnights and your Facebooks and your TikToks. You know, TikTok. You know, fucking TikTok. Exactly. Bugger you, TikTok. <laughs> rubbish platform. Um, is the Camp Wits Up, if you don't know Wits Up, it's the only place to go for really good journalism in Australian triathlon. I'm not just saying that because everything else is folded. It's good stuff to read. No, but it is witsup.com. That's Steph, who is the owner, operator, founder, you know, chief um, and, you know, driver of this whole thing. How, like, when you start a niche of a niche, because let's be honest, mm. triathlon's a niche game mm. and it really is in this country and every other country. If it doesn't have a ball, if they could be bouncing a ball where they run a marathon in Kona, it would get more. Yeah. <laughs> It hasn't evolved properly. It hasn't done anything it needed to, but that's another issue. So how do you start then? What what sort of goes through your mind when you're going, hey, we should start up a triathlon website that is squarely aimed at women participants and lovers of the sport, et cetera. What, what are you thinking? <laughs> well, at the time I was thinking I was going to change the world, Philip. And <laughs> um, it's... It's, it's a really good question and quite particularly right now, I ask myself that question probably daily, if not hourly. Um, but, you know, I saw, I saw an opportunity to make the sport better. Um, I, I didn't believe that women were getting the platform that they deserved. They weren't getting the exposure that they deserved. And, I mean, Witsup's nearly 10 years old now. And wow. Yeah, like that spins me out a bit. Um, but you know how you know Thursday I was back then. I, you know, I just I did it because I was a super fan. I was so involved in the sport. I raced. I loved it. I was definitely this is an old Phil Rockner saying, but I was definitely drinking the Kool Aid back then. Um, <laughs> and I I just I wanted us to be better. Um, and I wanted to tell tell stories that um, inspired me. Uh, in the hopes that it inspired other people and get, you know, get more women involved in the sport. I still believe that to this very day. I still want to be able to do that. Um, the whole niche within a niche, I think, to be quite honest with you, I have ups and downs about it because sometimes I think, wow, it's it's really hard to make a living from a niche within a niche. But then mm-hmm. the next day I think, yeah, but then I've – I've got a captive audience. I've got people who really want to be here, who really want to listen or read what we're, you know, the content that we're creating. Um, and that's a pretty, that's a pretty special, I guess, pipeline to those particular people. So do you feel, do you feel heard? Yes. Yes. And then, God, that's a really good question. Uh, yes. Sometimes, I really have to ask myself that though because some days I honestly think and again particularly in the current climate that we're in when I'm trying to figure out how to pay the bills um you know Brett's not working and I'm trying to figure out how to make money <laughs> in a niche within a niche that's not actually doing its niching stuff at the moment mm-hmm. um you know so I so I ask myself that kind of kind of daily um I are we making a difference? What are we trying to make a difference for at the moment? Um, I don't have that answer for you because it's time to sort of really look at what we're trying to achieve. 
So 10 years old, which is, I mean, we ran out first off the bike, I reckon, at about 10 as well. Um, yeah, it right. It seems to be around about that point that I was um, a complete and utter idiot um, <laughs> and, <laughs> in just so many ways and had to let it go. And then the Australian market collapsed. Um, we sold out of our interest in first off. There was Oztry, which blew up, Multisport Magazine blew up, um, leaving you the last bastion of any sort of semblance of triathlon media. How has or has anything really changed as you, you know, as you sort of navigated that solo, I guess, spot now? Um, the media centre isn't as much fun. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Do you know, my, my, I'll be honest with you, media centres are, towards the end of what I was doing, it, they were just a shit show. I never showed up. Oh, same. The, the Kona Media Centre, though, with guys <laughs> like Brad Culp and that giving you beers <laughs> and, you know, keeping you Red Bulled. Yeah. I mean, and, you know, hanging shit on you and laughing at what rubbish Delhi car was trying to produce. And, <laughs> you know, that those were some of the better times. Yeah. The media centre, I, I will say that. But how else for you? So what, what have you, do you find yourself, I guess, um, you know, attracting more? Has there been a commercial fallout that might have been worth it or is it still sort of, you know, that uh, advertisers are kind of wary and, and, and still walking the, the line of, you know, other things um it's still tough um i actually think you know that whatever it is that that saying the rising tide gathers all ships i think having competition having um different sources within the industry here in australia probably worked a lot better for us um Mm. sort of being out there solo in terms of trying to get commercialized um is tough um i'm also really not very good at it um <laughs> to be completely- it's hard though, man like it, it is it's you you start a website to create content not to get involved commercially and to yeah understand the work inner workings of marketers and marketing speak which is always a joy yeah, exactly although i actually did at university i did <laughs> Uh, commerce with a major in marketing and I freaking oh, hate, on, I hate it, hate, hate that side. <laughs> I just, I, I don't know. I think because wits up is so very much me, like being the face of it and everything. I, I love the relationship building. It's, I'm, it's what I'm great at. Um, that sounds obnoxious, but it is, it's what, it's oh, what I love doing. Um, because it just become, I think it just comes quite naturally to me. I just, I thoroughly enjoy meeting new people and learning about them and, and telling stories. And but then to commercialize things, I almost need to sell myself, and that is where I really struggle. I can't. I find it hard to separate the business from myself, um, particularly mm. because it is a niche within a niche, and that comes with those kind of almost boundaries to an extent. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, have you have you had any walk away moments? Have you been, you know, has it been close? I mean, I know, you know, year two or three on first off, and we're like, this is bullshit. You know, mm-hmm. like, let's fuck off and do something better. Um, have you had any of those moments? Definitely, yeah, and very much so in the last couple of months. Geez, I'm being really honest with you. <laughs> it's, <laughs> um, look, I think everyone's in a tough position, right? But mm. it's it's just making me. Uh, you know, question what, because passion has always sort of driven me. Like I've been passionate about making a difference and everything. Um, 
and some days you don't feel like that sort of passion is reciprocated, uh, whether it be from athletes, organizations, sponsors, whatever it is. Um, and then once you have a kid, right, you're like, well, this is, you know, she needs to be fed. She will eventually need to go to school. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, there's only, there's only so many days that you can, or so many weeks, I should say, where you're wondering where the next dollar is coming. Like I, I feel like that's extremely irresponsible. This is no judgment on anyone else. This is all me. Um, that, you know, I can't just fly around the world looking like I'm living the dream with my kid, which is giving her these amazing experiences. But at the end of the day, I need to plan for her future. So that's yeah. that's constantly in my head, constantly. Um, but, I mean, we spoke about this before we even hit record. One of the greatest things is that I can work from home. Um, I don't get much done when she's awake, but... <laughs> I get to spend a lot of time with this um, just freaking awesome little person. Um, and, you know, I feel like there's not many parents out there who get that opportunity. So, mm. you know, I think I'll always lean back towards the way that I'm doing things, but maybe I need to just figure out a better way of doing those things. Yeah, I mean, you can always go to work at some point, I suppose, and get, you know, it's the shame it's about the amount of work that you do. I, I don't want to diminish it, um, but having lived it as well, I can probably mm. be one of the few people to speak on this is that, yeah, there are a lot of late nights and a lot of hair tearing and a lot of, Christ, how are we paying for this? Yeah. A lot of great ideas that never get realized because no one's going to fund it. Yeah. Um, but moving on from the commercial sort of aspect of it, um. Have you ever – God. When I first started First Off the Bike, it was a radio show on SEM, which is a sports station here in Melbourne. I teamed up with a guy called Matt Keenan, who most people would know around the world as a Tour de France commentator. We interviewed a guy, a cyclist, who was so crap <laughs> that we never put it to air. It was shit. It was a shit interview. And this guy had ridden with some of the best. Yeah. And he was a complete douche. <laughs> And it was such a bad interview. Matt and I just said, we're going to bury this and never talk of it again. I'm not mentioning names, but what a douche. And he had such a beautiful career. Um, have you had, without mentioning, you can, you know, have you spoken to people where you've gone, oh, that's just garbage. I'm not using that. Or you were a complete, you know. Yes. I uh, definitely <laughs> won't mention who. Um, the thing is, um, it's, yeah, it's a hard one because, you know, part and I just said it before, part of, you know, my whole shtick is I, I create, you know, relationships with people. But then when you've got something yeah. that just hasn't panned out the way you hoped, you know, you've taken up their time, which is valuable. And so to, there's a big part of me that goes, I really should put it out. But then I'm like, oh, mate, I can't, I cannot put that out there. It's so cringeworthy or bland or, yeah, so a few – there's been a couple. I don't think actually anyone knows who who I don't think I would have ever divulged that. In fact, I wouldn't. Not even Brett would know. The, per <laughs> you, you the can't, person. I mean, you can't really say much, can you? I mean, it's wait till I yeah, leave the spot. <laughs> um, my toughest interview of a um, in in I mean the men's side. There's been a few real peaches. Peaches. Um, Oh, there was one dude who won Ironman Australia one year, Elliot Holtham, Haltham. My God. Oh. That and Kieran Perkins. Kieran Perkins hated me too. Really? 
Oh, Kieran Perkins wanted to strangle me one day at an interview. Really? If you don't know, Kieran Perkins was a 1,500-meter gold medalist in Barcelona in 92. He went back in 96 in Atlanta and won again from lane eight. <laughs> I was working for SEN and I was interviewing him. He wanted to kill me. What did you do? I don't know, but there's a look, there's a photo, and I don't know where it is now, but there was a photo of me interviewing him, and he looks like like a cross between Charles Manson and, <laughs> I mean, fuck knows who else, but he was just wanting to, anyway. Um, my hardest ever interview um, with uh, your sort of your, your, your genre, um, Chrissy Wellington. <laughs> now, I, I, I think she is absolutely brilliant and could watch her race all day. But you would email her and say, hey, can we do an interview with you first of all? And she'd go, Phil, think of some questions that are actually worthwhile. Otherwise, <laughs> and we'd go back to the ranch and go, oh, shit, we've got Chrissy coming up and we'd have to actually think and stop drinking for a few hours. <laughs> Who's been your toughest interview? Ooh. Oh, um, oh gosh, I wish I had prepared something. Um, toughest interview. Oh, God, I can't think. Um, so oh, actually, who's, who's, who's the easiest? Who's the one who you just know? Who's your go-to? Like when you want something, who's your go-to? Who do you go to and go, hey, I need some words. What do you got? I reckon at the moment it would either be Belinda Granger or Lindsay Corbin. Just straight up can text them, yep, get it done, sorted. Yeah. Um, Two solid individuals. Yeah. Yep. Um, I, re- <laughs> I remember it's not probably my hardest, but it was one of the ones that I was a bit taken aback was last year in Kona with Daniela Reef. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, she doesn't give much away. That's part of who she is, how she races. But she gets asked the same questions all the time, right? You yeah. know, it's the lead into the race. Like, it's just boring. Preview, pre-race interviews are boring as batshit. Like, oh, yeah. And I get it. Like, you kind of have to ask the same kind of thing. But anyway, so I was like, right, I'm going to approach this differently because I was also at the long, you know, there was 10 people lined up in front of me to interview her and then I've got up there and I was like, okay, so clearly you get asked the same questions all the time. Here's one for you. What would you actually like to be asked? And I'm thinking, oh, we can have a bit of a, you know, joke, kind of bit of a laugh. She turned around to me, no shit, and says, isn't that your job to know? And I went, oh. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like. Fair play, you're right, but I was trying to get like a little bit of banter going and she just shut me down. I'm like, oh, fuck, where do I go from here? Wow, that's really funny. (laughs) I agree though. I think the pre-race interviews just should be banned. I mean, have you – yeah, it's just – I agree. They're complete (laughs) rubbish. The pros never tell you shit because it's not right to, you know. Yeah. Yeah, that's a real good story. I like that one, that (laughs) cracker. Um, Who's – What's been the most in, in your round-the-world travels, and you've been to all the big races, obviously, um, what has been the thing that has stopped you? Like when did you become – when did you drop the camera and become a fan for that one minute? Ooh, another great question. Um, Have a oh, think. I can tell yeah. you that watching Sebastian Keenlay riding away with the no. um, on the Queen K coming back one year, I was fortunate enough to be on a motorbike. and. Oh. I said to the moto guy, can you just follow this guy? I just want to watch him pedal a bike because I always wish he was Australian, um, even though he's, you know, a German. <laughs> but watching him, I dropped the camera and just watched and just said, I'm just going to watch this bike. Yeah, because right. Because I know what I'm seeing is amazing and I got to watch him do that. 
you know, we you know that's when you put it down, you go, oh, I just have to see this unfold. It's amazing. Yeah. 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 That was pretty incredible. I'm just, I'm thinking the, the one that comes to my mind is, and I'm killing myself now because I can't remember what year it was. Um, when Rinny was, I want to say 17 minutes down in T2 mm-hmm. and you know, had a host of impressive athletes ahead of her and Mm -hmm. she just watching her run, like I can see it in slow motion in my mind and she just floated across and I saw her down on a leaky drive. Um, uh, You know that spot where everyone takes a photo where it's just that one bit of opening right down the far end? Yeah. Yeah. It was down there and just watching her float. I, I, I remember that and just thinking, and like I went fangirl, just screaming for her. So so uncool, so uncool. Like yeah. with the photographer and the media people to be cheering, but I didn't, yeah. I didn't give a shit. So yeah, cool. good. Yeah, she, yeah. That, I remember that too. I think I was there that year as well. She was um, phenomenal. One of the best things I've ever seen any athlete do, male or female. Um, and I want to say that I'm going to call Rebecca Keat out on this one. Oh yeah. Um, I watched her at Iron, not Ironman Cairns, Challenge Cairns. Remember when it was yep. Challenge Cairns before it turned into Ironman Cairns and she won that year. Yeah. And I remember her walking down the finish chute, taking her medal, eyeing off a girl of about eight or nine years of age and giving her the medal. Oh, that's awesome. And I've got a photo of it somewhere in the archives and I just remember thinking, bloody hell, what a class act that is. And what a, it, it, you know, like, you know, I remember Josh Amberger as well giving my kids his race towel. Yeah. which they still use at swim training now, you oh. know, like that shit, th- there's a real tangible moment there and a connection between athlete and, and fan and it's not often we get to see that in the sport. It's missing. It's so missing from the sport. It's one thing that I really, that's one thing I want to change to the point that we've just launched, It's and it's only something little, but we've just launched this, um, you jump on the website and you can download an outline of one of the photos of an athlete and kids mm-hmm. can color, color it in. Cause I was just nice. like, you know, like it's such a simple thing, but for me, you know, I grew up with baseball cards and footy cards and mm-hmm. posters. And I just, we just don't see that in our sport. And so that's just like this tiny little thing that we can do. That's, you know, that I hope that kids color in and talk about it with their parents that, you know, this athlete's amazing. Um, can I quickly tell you a story about kids in a in, yeah, in a fan moment? So it was twice in Busso. Um, so my best mate lives in Bus in Perth, sorry, with three kids, and they always come down to Ironman Western Australia. It's a three hour drive, as you know. Um, I think you and I may have even driven it with each other. Yeah, I, I've driven it with so many random yeah. people too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, and a few years ago. Sarah Piampiano had come out and she, she had won. And then the following year she was back again and it was my best mate's eldest daughter's first triathlon. So I'd said to Sarah, is there any chance you can come down to the finishing line and give her a high five? She came down, not only came down to the finishing line, she ran with Sienna. She so did the whole run with her holding her purse, everything. We got photos of it. Um, Hmm. We put a little video together those kids now know who Sarah Piampiano is um, and talk about it all the time. A couple of years later, Caroline Steffen made her return to Ironman mm-hmm. Racing and just annihilated the race, a break the race, um, course race record. Um, anyway, having Xander in tow and the kids got to hang out with her because we're all staying in the same area. 
and her and hung out with Pete's kids as well. And we all just hung out before race day. And so they were all about Zena, Caroline Stefan, high fives <laughs> with her on course because they actually knew her. She, you know, yep. and I'm just like, that's the shit that I love. That's what fires me up. Yep. Yeah. It's the coolest. Yeah, I- it is, and it, and the I've long been an advocate for pros being paid like pros and being treated mm. like pros. And talking to Tim Reed down in Geelong this year at seventy point three, and he was talking about um, how Asia you get that experience, yeah. you know, on race in Asia because they see it as a you know, and it, looking at the surfing model, which you know, mm. being down here near and you know in the heartland of surfing in Victoria, um, you know, everyone's obsessed by it. But seeing the surfing model, how well that works, and how they just said, you know what, we're gonna have. X amount of professionals and we're going to have, if you're not good enough, you don't get there, mm. you know. Um, and now the PTO is starting to try and, you know, bring some professionalism and some money into the sport, which is fantastic. But, you know, there really needs to be a, a ranking and a, and a, you know, we need to know who's what and who's doing what. And, and the, all that needs to be, I think, solidified before the sport can take a step. And obviously it's in crisis mode at the moment and we've sort of spoken about that. But if things got back to an even footing, um, you know, do you think that that's – what we need do you think like do you think is a time for an evaluation for the sport to say well you know what are these what are we what are the pros about and what are we doing for them definitely if not now when like it's i feel like it's been the same for a long time um and you've been in the sport a lot longer than what i have um and i still don't think it would have changed all that much during your time right no not at all yeah um i mean that's not including going back to the twoies blue is it Tui, the Tui's? Yeah. 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 I mean, Tui's Blue come off Bank Series, yeah. the uh, St. George Series, yeah. yeah. And that's what Mac has tried to do as well with mm. bringing, you know, sport-tainment, mm. which is a new word I've just made up. I like it. Um, you know, it is. it is. It's more that entertainer trying to build some rivalries. Mm. You can't manufacture that stuff. Though. You can't. It's, yeah. They've got Mark Allen hated each other. Yep. You know, Paulie Curie wanted to kill everybody. You know, like you can't manufacture that. Yeah. There's, you know, you look at, you know, but but on any given day, any in any surf competition, any any golf tournament, any tennis tournament, one plays two, two plays three, it happens all the time. Ten plays eight, it, it happens all the time. Mm. How often do you see Ken Lee v Fredino? How often do you see, yeah. you know, these big hitters being big hitters? Yeah, yeah, and I mean, uh, yeah, you're hundred percent right. And uh, you know, uh, from what I understand, that's what the PTO they want to try and bring in that kind of style that model those those rivalries that will build up um it it, like you say you can't manufacture it though it won't happen overnight but you got to start yeah you do you got to give them a platform yeah and that's what i think the pto trying to do and also it's it does come up against you know a myriad of opposing things such as you can't race 20 times in a year you can't do as Mm. many tournaments in tennis and golf and and all that other stuff Mm. you've got you know two ironmans and maybe you know four 70.3s in you in a year but still Surely there's a way to counter that or to, you know, you know, to make it marketable or make it, you know, like the television coverage and the like where do you I mean the where do you stand on the whole VR thing? Have you been watching all that? No, because it's at stupid o'clock in Australia. <laughs> <laughs> um we actually did a, a absolute piss take preview of the Oceana one Oceana. Ironman. Yeah, I caught a bit of that. Yeah. Um, because it was meant to be Australia versus New Zealand, but the Aussies had to get up at quarter to three. And I'm like, how is yeah. that? <laughs> like what the hell? Um yeah. but yeah, I mean, I I A, I I think it's great that they're trying to pivot and and put things on and do things with athletes, whether it be the Ironman virtual racing or or Zwift. Um, 
but can I, like I don't think the best real life triathlete can necessarily win these things because it's like there's so many inconsistencies in terms of um correct weight um correct um you know communication from your trainer to your computer like there's just so many inconsistencies so you take it for what it is it's a bit of fun every week um it's an opportunity for us to go into people's pain caves you know whatever um you know so so there's there's that but we have to take it for what for what it is i do also think that um so in the ironman race virtual racing they're getting appearance fees i think it's great that there's mm-hmm. money going to them i'm yep. i'm hoping i don't know um because i don't think all athletes know but i'm hoping that's good for their sponsors and that they see it um as a ways that they're still sort of interacting with audiences so that you know they're still i mean they're not getting prize uh, sorry bonus um money from their sponsors but maybe there's you know because they're getting that kind of exposure i'm hoping that that still works out with some athletes and their sponsor deals um actually i should say i know some are working really well um and i know that some are not (laughs) so i've i have heard a bit of a mix um yeah so but i mean to be honest like we're actually trying to figure out how we report on it um because I just can't quite nail it. I don't think many people are interested in reading about a virtual race. So how do we how do we as Wits Up pivot and try and figure out? Because I think it's important to keep giving that platform. Um, mm. But what that looks like in terms of the racing, I haven't quite figured out yet. Um, but yeah. It's a joy, isn't it? I mean, it, I, I think the racing sucks. I hate it. Um, <laughs> I just... I just it's a cartoon. It's a cartoon. It's not yeah. an e-sport. You know, it's like no. you said, there's too many inconsistencies, too many variables. Mm. It is fun. I give you that. And I understand why they're doing it. I completely get yep. it. They've got the platform. Yep. Sure, do it. But as soon as the world hopefully returns to some sense of normal um, life, I think we ditch it never to be seen again. Um, Agree. I just don't understand why we need to broadcast everything. Um Anyway, that's just an old man, cranky old man yelling at the clouds talking. <laughs> <laughs> so, mate, it's been an absolute honour chatting to you. You're 10 years in and, you know, the website is witsup.com. If you've not seen it, get your ass over to it and have a look. <laughs> it is just good stuff. It's if, you know, Steph's done an amazing job curating this content for the last decade and it is good. If you see her at a race, give her a high five from a distance. Um <laughs> Or around the traps because it is um, really worth uh, taking a look at in membership platforms as well to be more involved. If you want to be involved, tell your mates as well to get involved and, and take a look because it really is good stuff. Steph, uh, always a pleasure from uh, us chatting to you, mate, and appreciate your time. Thank you so much. Uh, it was really great to hang out again. <laughs>